Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim, and we are four women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. Releasing the shame around your struggles is hard work, especially if you feel alone. And so we wanted to create this podcast as a way to unite women of all ages, from all locations, all sizes and shapes, and really just want to invite you to sit at our table. Come as you are. Health and fitness is for everybody. And we're here to remind you that you belong, you matter, you are brave, you are capable, you are deserving of success. Maybe right now you don't truly believe those things, and that's okay. When we first got started, we didn't either. But we promise that each episode, we will show up vulnerably. We want you to realize your potential and the truth of who you really are. We will help you step into success and acknowledge that the power already lies within you. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. Welcome back to the Decades of Strength. I'm Kim Schlag. I'm hosting today. And with me, of course, are the rest of the Decades of Strength gang. We have Samantha Altieri and Miss Sarah Duff and Marcy Nevins. Hi, ladies. Hey, hey, hey. And today we are going to be talking about alcohol and its impact on your fitness journey. So here's how I'm thinking we're going to structure this conversation. I thought we would start by talking about our own personal experiences um, and then maybe talk about what the research says about fat loss and alcohol consumption, and then talk about our clients and how we help them, um, what issues come up and how we helped them through it. So let's kind of take a personal perspective first. Um, Interestingly, as the host, I'm going to tell you, I, for religious reasons, don't drink. That is part of our religious observance. When I say I don't drink, I mean, I've literally never had alcohol. Um, So my perspective is going to simply be from how I support my clients, what the research says. So that is my very limited experience with alcohol. I don't drink. (laughs) So let's go to someone else. Sarah. You've been talking about this on your stories recently. I have been talking about alcohol a lot because I have had a very, very turbulent relationship, shall we say, with it over my lifespan. Um, I would say my relationship with it was really quite unhealthy for quite a while. I used to binge on it quite a lot, um, using it very much as an emotional crutch to fill a void of me not feeling happy or fulfilled in my own life. Um, And it was a very slippery, slippery slope and impacted my life in so many ways um, negatively. Um, So it has been a journey to kind of um, establish a healthier relationship with it. I didn't drink for um, quite a time, um, but now I drink every now on again um you know for the right reasons it's not kind of being used to hide anything or you know numb any kind of pain um so that is where i'm at with my own personal alcohol journey marcy how about you 
Okay. Well, I started drinking alcohol when I was 15. I know that sounds horrible, but I Thank I was you. a partier Woo. in yeah, I was a partier in high school. So I had a boyfriend who was a year older and he was at the age where his friends could drive. So we would go to house parties and I was very responsible about it. I never got totally drunk or did anything stupid, but I definitely started drinking at an early age. Sorry, mom. Um, although I was <laughs> that now. Uh, and then in college, I mean, typical college student, I drank at least a couple nights a week. So the party week started on a Thursday night and we would go to this bar and there were $2 Long Island iced teas. And if you've never had Long Island, Jesus. let me just tell you those get you shit faced pretty quick. So yeah, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was out drinking, which is interesting because I've talked about this quite a lot on the podcast at this point, but college was when I was at the height of my disordered eating, body obsession. So it's interesting that I was drinking because of the calories, but I never really worried about the calories, which was super interesting. So that was college. And then for the first couple of years after college, I would drink on the weekends, not every weekend, but I would go to the clubs and yeah, I get drunk and dance on tables and just do, oh my gosh, <laughs> all of these things that I don't do anymore. But when I was about 25, I stopped drinking completely. So that's when I met my ex-husband and we were just really fit and into our health and our fitness and drinking was no longer a part of our life. And that has continued to this day. Um, even though my parents are big drinkers, they love their wine, you know, my family, my friends, like everybody else around me drinks. But I, at this point, choose not to, mostly because of my health issues. So, and then also, I don't know about the other ladies, but once you reach the point of about 24, 25, like the hangover start to kick in. So oh, I remember yeah. the night after my 21st birthday where I just drank so much. I woke up the next day, like felt great, like went to the gym right away. <laughs> no hangovers whatsoever in college. And then, yeah, about 24 is when I could not drink um, like I could when I was younger and hangovers suck. So I was like, I'm done with this. And to be honest, it feels really, really good not to have alcohol as a part of my life. I do not miss it at all. Like the occasional glass of wine or champagne I'll have, but that's really it. Like literally the last time I drank was when we were in London and I had maybe half of that glass of champagne and that was enough. So that's my experience. Thanks, Marcy. Sam? Um, so like Marcy, I think I started drinking at a pretty early age, but, um, just for fun. Like I just enjoyed doing it with friends. Um, and I think going into high school, like I wanted to be part of the cool kids club. And so all of my friends that played sports with me, like we all just drank and got shit faced and like, you know, did stupid shit in high school. Um, and it was really my way to fit in. Like, I just, I wanted to be cool enough. And so the drinking thing was part of that, like part of that identity. So definitely had my fair share of drinking in high school. Um, throughout college, same thing, like 
I never really thought twice about it. It was just like something I did, I guess. It wasn't really part of my identity, but I just enjoyed alcohol just to make things more fun. It wasn't, for me, it was never like something to escape my life. It was more to just accelerate or make things more fun or more crazy, if you could believe me even being more crazy than I already am. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually hard to picture. I know. You you might not want to. Um, (laughs) And then I think as I approach, like in towards the end of college and in grad school, um, I drank, when I did drink, I would get really fucked up. And then if I wasn't drinking, then I just like wouldn't drink at all. So it would be kind of the extremes. Like I would get so drunk, black out, or like brown out, like where you kind of remember some things and then I wouldn't want to do it again for so long. And then I would forget how awful the hangover was and forget how awful that feeling was and do it again. And it was, it was just kind of this cycle. Um, but since college, I think I realized that the only thing alcohol does to me is make me lose control. Like I just lose consciousness, obviously. Um, and I never really realized that like my decisions, um, my decisions didn't feel in my control when I was drinking. And I don't like that. Like it, it pretty much led me to eat on the weekends because like when I'd get drunk, like I lose all self-control and just like eat a whole pizza and like, I'm lactose intolerant and I don't need to eat a whole pizza. So that was just like double whammy, like all the extra calories, all the shit that makes me not feel good. Um, And I've, I guess since that point, I have totally changed my relationship with alcohol and that like, I enjoy like a glass of whiskey or like some wine here and there, like if I'm at a wedding, right. Or like, you know, like a celebratory night, Uh, but I just don't need it. You know, it's, it's something that I like to have once in a while, but I think in the past I needed alcohol to think I could have fun, like enough fun. Now I'm like, nah, I, I have fun on my own. Like I could just be in my room. Like I don't, I don't need that extra oomph to make life enjoyable. So I think now after the chaos of college and, and also blacking out in Vegas, that was a recent occurrence where I, I, uh, if you guys didn't know about that one. You can go listen to a podcast on that where I share my shameful experience about blacking out in Vegas in June. Um, I think I have just kind of chilled out a little bit. Like I just, I've realized I don't need it and it doesn't make me any better. So, you know, once in a while it's good, but it's kind of where I'm at now. So I think you can hear there that we have such a variety of experiences and so many different reasons for people to drink and change their relationship with drinking here just in in this small sample of people, right? People talked about like using it for fun, using it as a crutch, using it to numb, um, transitioning in in many different ways. And I think that people who are listening, I think you're going to find that you might relate to one of of these stories. So I find it interesting with clients um, what their struggles are as far as they're trying to lose weight and alcohol and what the relationship is there. It's interesting. Um, Marcy, I think it was you who said that you never really thought about the calories, even though you were at the time very cognizant of the calories and everything else. It's interesting. I find that a lot with my clients that they struggle um, to reconcile the fact that alcohol, one, has calories, and two, studies have shown that it actually causes you to eat more calories on top of the calories you're ingesting you know, in liquid form. So a big um, meta-analysis came out earlier this year um, 
And so if, for those of you listening who don't know what a meta-analysis and systemic, systematic review is, they take a whole bunch of studies and look at what they say together, right? And so this one came out, it was called The Effect of Alcohol Consumption on Food Energy Intake. And what it showed is that basically when people drink alcohol, it increases your energy intake on average by 256 calories with food. So you typically eat on average 256 calories more out of food. It also can decrease your satiety and it has a, a disinhibiting a relationship on your restraint around food. And I think Sam, you were just talking about that, like eating a whole pizza, right? Sam's raising her hand. Yeah. Right? And so all of this is logical and makes sense, but it, it's interesting to see what the research is saying about it. Um, so I would love to hear from you ladies about what, what you've seen with your clients, what their struggles are around alcohol and how you've helped them kind of navigate either having alcohol as a part of a fat loss diet or not, what has happened with that? Um, oh, let, let me start. start. Oh, yeah, because I, I kind of like to address the elephant in the room here, which is what I'm seeing quite a bit from my clients. It's what Sarah has been talking about her store on her stories. I feel like even with myself, maybe Sam can relate to this too. I, I wasn't using alcohol as a way to escape my life but I was using it as a way to fit in essentially. So let me just say, I am a damn good time when I drink, <laughs> you know, like I'm fun <laughs> and outgoing, like I really kind of come out of my shell. And so not that I was really not confident or insecure when I wasn't drinking, but I just remembered how much fun I had and how much more fun I believed I was when I was drinking. So I think for a lot of, uh, a lot of people, my clients included, there is this codependent relationship when it comes to alcohol and the way that they are using it for others to perceive them. So, you know, whether it's like, so like they don't feel secure within themselves, whether it's because it's how their body looks or they feel like they're shy, there can be a multitude of, multi multitude of reasons and that will be unique to the individual. But in my experience with clients, it's that they feel as though they don't fit in if they're not drinking and they have a hard time saying no because they are fearful of the reaction from their friends, mostly their friends, maybe it's family too, but they don't want to be the outcast. And so they will disregard their goals and drink to fit in. And so that they don't have to receive those comments like, oh, you're no fun. Why aren't you drinking? You can just have one, you know, which we've all been there. So that is what I'm seeing quite a bit and people really having a hard time saying no to others. So Marcy, talk us through in those kind of situations, what, what do you, what's the discussion like between you and a client if that's what you're seeing is the struggle? Well, we have to address low self-worth and the codependency issues. So that is not something that happens overnight, but I at least start there and yeah, it's a conversation that has to be had. And sometimes it takes a really long time for them to get to the point where they can set those boundaries. They can, you know, learn to be okay and confident just like with who they are. And what I say to most of them is, you know, these people are your friends and I'm assuming that they were friends with you 
before like they met you in an environment when you weren't drinking. So what makes you think that they're not going to like you if you don't? And if that is the case, if they don't want to be friends with you or they really are giving you a hard time because you're not drinking and you have your best interest in mind, is that really somebody that you want to be friends with anyways? Mm -hmm. Like that's what you have to ask yourself, you know? So why are you trying to people please these individuals who aren't really adding much to your life if you think about it? And Marcy, what, what have been some of the reactions? Are people generally kind of huh, I've never thought of it that way before. Are they fearful? What, what kind of reactions have you had to those um, attempts at discussion? They admit it. Yeah. Eventually, at least. I've got one new client who was like, yeah, you're so right. You're totally right. She even said it herself. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't really have to say it. It's like, oh, I'm, and she's 23, 24, I think. She lives in New York. So she's still at that time of her life when partying is what you do. It's how you socialize, especially in a big city, you know? So all of these people that she's still friends with are people that she met when she was partying. So it can be difficult to let go of those friendships, even if you know that they're not serving you. Mm -hmm. And then I've got other clients where it's like, you have to kind of continually have the conversation. And finally they realize like, oh yeah, you're right. Maybe this is the reason I'm doing it. Maybe I do have insecurities And the alcohol is my way to make up for that. Yeah. Sam, how about you? Um, So, yeah, I think a lot of similarities from Marcy's experience coaching. Um, I have one client in particular, or one past client, I should say, um, who we addressed her alcohol, like, consumption as, you know, as a way she would always, let's just say it this way. She would go out, have a good time with her friends, but the next morning she would report back and be like, I feel like trash. She would just not feel well. And so after a pattern of this, it's like, okay, you know, she's got to kind of live her life and see what's going on to start to understand how it's affecting her. So I asked her like, well, how much longer is this going to be okay with you? Like this every Sunday morning waking up feeling like shit, you know, whether it be from the hangover or the extra calories or the decisions you made. And I think at a certain point, she didn't really realize that alcohol was her safe, her safety net. Like it was the cloak she wrapped herself in when she was at parties or out and didn't know people or felt uncomfortable making connections or having conversations. So if she just drank herself into maybe not oblivion, but if she just filled herself up with alcohol, she wouldn't have to face the discomfort. And so I know for a lot of my clients and myself in the past, like I've totally done that because it's just easier to like sip on a drink than have a conversation with a person. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so when we started talking about that, I was like, where does this come from? Like, where does this social anxiety come from? And we kind of dug into her past a little bit. We uncovered it. And then she realized like, oh wait, like I can go out and enjoy social situations without having to get blackout drunk. And, mm-hmm. and then she ends up making a fool of herself and she creates a scene around the exact thing that she was trying to stay really subtle and cool and low key in. So like she created the opposite of what she wanted by going into it with all of this anxiety. And so we started to work on that and not using alcohol for that reason, but to have a a clear game plan going into the evening, like, okay, let's set a max drinks. 
limit, you know, let's do alcohol, water, alcohol, water. Um, and be at peace with just like experiencing the feelings, right? Like mm-hmm. you're going to go out and there's going to be times where you're uncomfortable. That doesn't need, mean you need to fucking start slamming vodka sodas back. Um, like, sure, you can have some vodka soda, but there's no need to like start chugging them to numb whatever you're going through. So I think for a lot of my clients, it, it was always a, a numbing um, mm-hmm. mechanism or a way to not face reality really, or to fit in. Um, and once we started to address like who they are and belonging to themselves, not doing things out of fear of not fitting in or fear of not looking cool or dealing with this discomfort, that's where we started to unpack like what's worth it, you know? Is it worth it to get shit-faced and feel like trash for the next day or two and have your fat loss be thrown off and then you can't even lift? And it's like this domino effect of all these things. Or is it worth it to just see okay, I'm a little uncomfortable, but I can make it through. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to die. I'll have a drink or two, but I don't need to numb. Seems well, a lot like, um, it seems a lot like emotional eating when people eat because they're sad or, or anxious or whatever. It just seems like another way instead of facing the discomfort and being able to manage the feeling of like social anxiety, um, they're looking for a way around it. And alcohol can, can be that thing. And facing it can be challenging. For sure. Uh, so interesting, Sam, what you said about making poor decisions. So this client that I was referring to earlier, who I just started working with, she got really drunk over the weekend and she's like, I made such an ass out of myself. Like I sabotaged three relationships. Like I drunk texted and called this guy that I'd been dating who I was really into and he completely ignored me. I tried to make out with my coworker and then she tried to do somebody, something else with another guy. So again, you know, she's using it as that liquid courage and the way to fit in. And now she's like ostracized people and has to go make amends for her behavior. So it's totally contradictory, you know, which is very interesting and like oh my god there's just I feel like this needs to be a two-part episode because (laughs) we we might make it that um, like also Kim I want to talk to you because we don't have kids and there's this like uh inside joke I'll almost say among moms especially that they have to have their glass of wine at the end of the night or oh like and this is a very common occurrence, which is sad, but alcoholism being becoming more prevalent around or with women who are moms and you know, they're putting their coffee mug and driving their kids to school, you know, to deal with the stress. So is that something that you see with your mom friends that they're using alcohol yeah. as a way to relieve stress? Absolutely. And I have to tell you, I did that same thing with food. Like, especially when, when kids are little, it is very physically and emotionally draining to have little children is hard. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And sometimes I look back at it and think, how did I even get through that? That's, it's really challenging. And so I, every night would soothe myself with food. Like I would get my kids in bed and I had my, like, I'd think about it all day, like what my plans were around food. And a lot of moms do that with alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. and it's very, it's very commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's just, it's another form of not dealing with the hard, you know, finding like, it would have been way better had I found a, 
a better way to like manage my time and get some help. And maybe I should have meditated or taken a walk or all these other things that could have been productive, but instead my go-to was food. And for a lot of people, their go-to is a glass of wine. Yeah. And think about like the negative repercussions, right? I mean, food is going to have an impact on you, but alcohol can have a downstream effect on other people as well. You know, what if mm -hmm. God forbid you're intoxicated and something happens to your kid or, yeah. you know, I mean, that's like a real conversation to have. So Absolutely. I always say to people, you know, think about how you want to feel, not just in the moment, but down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing too, before we hop to Sarah is I've experienced myself and clients being like, yeah, but I just want to drink. Like mm -hmm. they, they don't care in the moment, you know, like they just, they're like, fuck it. Like I, that's what I want. I want to drink. And like, they had this very like intentional, like I'm going to get this thing and there's no stopping me. Like I don't fucking care if I throw up on myself or I drunk text this dude or whatever. It's like, that's what I want and I'm going to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, so maybe we can talk about that, like very, um, I guess like, it is kind of all or nothing, but it's like this very intentional mindset of like, well, I'm just doing this. I don't care. You know, like kind of the fuck mm -hmm. it um, mentality and what comes along with that and how to start working on that. Because I know in my past, sometimes I'm like, I don't really care. Like I, I don't care anymore. And you're just like, well, all hell's going out the window. We're going out, baby. You know? Yeah. I think that's definitely something we should address, like what to do in, in that moment. Um, for sure. Let's tackle that. Sarah, let's hear from you first. Uh, what has your experience been with clients and alcohol? What struggles do you see and how have you helped them uh, through them? The, the biggest one I would see probably from my clients is, I mean, I can definitely relate to everything else that's been said, but the kind of um, feeling like they deserve it at the end of the week. So mm -hmm. kind of, I've got a lot of professional women who have high stress high stress jobs and it kind of gets to that end of the week and they're just like it's that thing of I need my glass of wine and it's kind of they they feel like it's their absolute right which is why I'm always like you don't need to earn food you don't need to earn a drink you don't need to you need to make conscious decisions about everything and that's kind of something that I work on them with which is to try and like separate that automatic getting to the end of the week and thinking oh I've had a hell of a week so I deserve this glass of wine and get them to really think about what else can you actually do instead of just reaching for the bottle which in turn lowers all of your inhibitions as we've been hearing and has the power to derail you kind of like on that evening and then for the rest of the weekend because once you've ended up in that downward spiral of feeling a bit crappy the day after you've had a drink you're feeling guilty you're feeling ashamed like all of the things that maybe you were trying to get away from by having the drink have come back and hit you in the face like a frying pan basically um, so it's about getting people to really, yeah, I know, man, hey. Um, but it's kind of also that thing of people also not really knowing what else they like to do. If alcohol has been a big part of someone's life since, you know, their dot, like teenage years, like people really get very disconnected about what lights them up. And if you live in certain 
towns or cities or, or you know whatever there is a very big drink drinking culture like in the uk it's quite well known that the drinking culture is like huge and actually when marcy and sam were here like we were walking down the street kind of late afternoon 4 p.m on like a thursday afternoon or whatever and people are all there just like chugging back chugging back the alcohol and it's perfectly accepted and perfectly kind of normalized i think probably a little bit too much if i'm being honest um those hotties in the blue suits with their beers i'd have a drink with them let me just yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. swing around some tables um but i mean in terms of what i kind of do with my clients when we we obviously have quite a direct discussion about the impact it's having on them and you know do they like Sam said do they want this to continue um and then get them to a stage where we put boundaries in so if they are going to continue you know having a drink you know what I did with one client read that she wasn't going to eat after she'd had a drink and um, so there was a real separation of saying this is the boundary you have a drink you do not eat like there is none of this like I'm just gonna have one or two no it's just it's kind of nil by mouth on the solids if you've had a drink because they're just the inhibitions just completely mm -hmm. good I had to do that myself mm. I actually had to create a rule because I found myself doing the same thing every Saturday night, like a few years ago. Actually, it was kind of maybe last year and the years before that. Anytime I would drink, my inhibition would go out the fucking window. Calorie deficit? <laughs> what was that? Um, and I would come home and first of all, I was lonely coming home by myself. But second of all, like it would be a reminder of like the truth of what was going on in my life. And I think that I would genuinely look forward to coming home to binge eat you mm -hmm. know because mm -hmm. I'd be out I'd be having fun but like deep down like I wouldn't really be there you know I was mm -hmm. kind of like just I was there and I was doing it but like going through the motions of it because the whole time I just wasn't truly fulfilled I guess mm -hmm. and I knew when I came home like food was the reliable thing right so like I had the alcohol to like make that. me fit in and then I ate to make me feel better about the fact that I didn't really fit in but I needed alcohol to be the thing that helped me fit in <laughs> so it was this like calorie laden cycle of me not feeling good enough <laughs> mm -hmm. and then using substances whether it be food or drink to numb those feelings and so sam are you saying one of the things you did was you gave yourself a rule of not eating if you were drinking is that, yeah. is that what you're so saying? after a while of realizing that like all of my sabotaging was happening after 12 a.m mm -hmm. um i was like okay i'm going to not eat when i get home like i'm just kitchen's off limits kitchen is fucking closed and that was actually maybe about a year ago when Marcy and I, I kind of had Marcy be my accountability buddy. And I was like, girl, I need some help. And so I told her, I was like, look, I'm just not going to eat after I get home from drinking. You know, I can drink all I want. I gave my, myself permission to do that. And I was like, but I'm not going to eat. And that made a huge difference because that's when all my like binging was happening was mm -hmm. after drinking. That's been a bright line that's worked really well for several of my clients. I had one who she's like, I just come home and we order pizza and Chinese. She, she's like, we order like three different things this is what her and her boyfriend would do. And so we talked about it and we decided that was going to be her bright line. When, when she would get home from a night out, there was no ordering in food and it worked really, really well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the other experiences I've had with clients that I want to share. Um, it was interesting. This happened all like in one um, on one Friday, and it's what got really me thinking about this alcohol thing. Is I had three clients talking to me through about their weekend and what they were worried about, and all of them had said, you know, there's just going to be a lot of drinking. There's going to be drinking. We're going to, and they just kept saying it like as though it was a given. Like like I don't know what they were asking for my help because what could they do to still meet their goals because there was going to be drinking, and I was like that's a really interesting way to put it. And so one of them, I, I hopped back on, I said, all right, try reframing that question you just asked me. And I want you to put the word cake every time you said there was going to be alcohol. And she got back on, she's like, that's ridiculous. I would never say like, well, there's just going to be cake this weekend. Because she had said to me like, we're going out Friday night and we're going to have cake. And then the next morning at brunch, there's going to be cake. And then we're going to the game and we're just going to eat cake all afternoon. And then we're going to go to a bakery that night. And she's like, it's ridiculous. She's like, what you would tell me is like, maybe have one piece of cake. She's like, it sounds ridiculous when I talk about it in terms of food. And I was like, yeah, it kind of does, right? But it, it somehow is different. And she was also one of my clients who really struggled with the idea of her friends judging her. She was newer to the city. Her group of friends were her boyfriend's friends. And that's kind of how, it was a big part of their social scene. And so I don't remember which one of you was talking about this. I think it was you, Marcy. And I said to her, I said, look, you haven't even given them a chance to say like whether they're going to accept you if you don't drink or not. So first you could start there and just drink more moderately or choose not to drink. See what happens. Like, let's just give them a chance. If indeed it turns out like that they don't want you around and they think you're boring because you're not drinking, there's a good chance that like they're not the best friends and you should be looking for friends elsewhere. And so there's a good chance that they're boring if they're not drinking. And that's why. Yeah. So she went through the weekend. She came back. She's like, nobody said a word. She's like, nobody said anything. And I'm like, amazing. She's like, and she's like, the other thing I challenged her to do was like, could you come up with non-drinking activities to suggest? Like, what could you come up with? She's like, I decided I'm just going to join a book club. She's like, I need to meet some other people anyway. So she joined this book club. And so I think a lot of this is stuff people don't even think about in their mind. It just feels so natural to say like, well, there's just going to be drinking and this is Mm -hmm. just what we do. And it's like so many other pieces of like our fitness journey. And I hate that term. So I'm going to put it in, uh, in air quotes here, but it's so subconscious. We just accept it when really we could rewrite our story in so many different ways and give other people a chance to react in a way that we're just not even, we're not even letting them. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry. No, I'll just go really quick and then, then you can talk. Um, but I was going to say when you talked about like the fear of being judged, right. Or like not fitting in, in a, in a social circle, I think that there's something really powerful about like having an intent, like going into the evening with an intention and, and following through with that promise, Mm -hmm. because what may happen is say you only decide you want to have one drink and you fear that other people will judge you. What may actually happen is you may rub off on other people Mm -hmm. who want the permission to not drink like a total asshole too. You know, like they may feel the exact same way as you. Like they don't want to drink that much either, but they feel the social pressure, which isn't even talked about. It's just like this luminous fucking elephant in the room. But it's like no one, a lot of people don't want to go through this whole thing, but everyone's experiencing the same thing, but no one's talking about it. So like you could be the shiny light in the room, right? By only opting to have a drink or two, or or if someone asks, just being like, oh no, I'm just choosing to have a few drinks. Like I have a low tolerance. I don't need that much out. Like I'm good. And someone else may be like, you know what? I think I'm good too. 
And I've noticed for myself, like by doing that, cause I don't, I really don't need much to get drunk, like, or even tipsy. I need like a drink and I feel great. Like I've noticed other people doing the same, not to copy me, but it almost gives them permission to do what they want to do, but they felt bad or guilty or shame or like, I want to fit in and this whole situation in their head. And they feel like, oh, okay, I'm going to do that too. It's okay now. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was, was going to talk, I was going to talk about anxiety and just that fear of what people are going to say. I'm writing a post on Instagram about anxiety and how it really is just a fear of the unknown. And I experienced quite a bit of anxiety in my life for multiple reasons. And what I've realized is everything that I worry about that makes me anxious, knock on wood, has never come true. And I have wasted so much of my precious time and energy worrying about these things that never happen. So instead of worrying how people are going to respond, you know, maybe like Sam said, maybe it's perfectly fine. Maybe like they don't give you a hard time. Maybe it is giving them permission to do the same because let's be honest, no one feels good the next day after they've drank. No. And they probably don't feel all that great in the moment either. Like they know that it's not serving them. So I love what she said. And I think yeah, the, all you can do is just go in there with an open mind, have the conversation, say what you need to say, and let the chips fall where they may. That's and just remember that you're not living your life for anyone else. Like, so you need to show up to situations and do what's right for you and kind of like really just remember that like you are your own responsibility. Um, so you need to own the situation and just make good decisions that make you feel good and screw what anyone else thinks. Let them judge away if they want to. Although nine times out of 10, they won't. No one cares as much as we think they do. Well, and I I think when it comes to worrying about losing friendships and if we tell somebody I don't want to drink and it's changing the relationship, you know, they're afraid that that person, those, that group isn't going to want to be friends with them. So Another suggestion that I give to clients is, well, why don't you make the plans every now and then? So instead of letting them say, okay, well, we're going to go out to this bar or we're going to do a boozy brunch on Sunday, maybe you make the plan and say, hey, let's go on a hike or, you know, let's do something that is not, that doesn't revolve around alcohol and set those boundaries where if you're not ready to give up the relationship, then you can at least create boundaries around it. So you can maintain those friendships within the constructs of social settings that don't involve alcohol. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Even just like doing that same thing, but you can slowly ease your way into it. So like right now, if your all of your social events with friends include drinking, you can still go to the things, right? And you can still drink but creating rules for yourself that make you feel good. And when you go to bed at night, you don't regret everything you just did. So like right now, if you're drinking five to six drinks when you go out, okay, well maybe knock that down to like three and then see how you feel. Or you can knock it down to two and like slowly bring that to a place where you feel good. And so don't think that right now, if you're like, well, all my social events, like all we do is go out to eat and drink. And it's like, well, that's fine. Like you can still go out to eat and drink. It doesn't mean you need to eat and drink everything in front of you. You know, it's like start to slowly scale back Mm -hmm. so that it's not so like abrupt, you know, because 
that's change for you. And it's also change for your friends and how you interact with them. So you can slowly do this. You don't, and I recommend that you do that. You don't kind of just like, okay, not drinking ever again. Like that, that may cause some turmoil for not only you, but your social circle too. Good point. I think that that's fantastic advice. I really like what Sarah said a minute ago um, about remembering that you're not living your life for anybody else. I think it's also valuable to remind yourself that you are allowed to grow and change. I think besides living for other people, I think we give ourselves a hard time about um, doing things differently. So I think we're going to wrap it up here. Ladies, I have appreciated your uh, insight on this topic. I hope those of you who are listening have um, been given some food for thought um, or some drink for thought. And, uh, and, we will, for thought. <laughs> and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. 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 All right, that wraps up another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We know that life is crazy and time is precious, and we really do appreciate you spending your time with us. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review, and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. We love you, we appreciate you, and we can't wait to hear what you think of this week's episode. Four women, one mission. We are the Decades of Strength. Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim. Catch you right back here for our next episode.